Welcome to Resi Talk, where real estate sales instructors have unfiltered conversations about real estate with industry leaders and inspiring people. On this episode, we have Greg Hayde joining us. Greg is the regional vice president of the East Central region here in Florida. He is going to share his roadmap to success using the three P's, preparedness, planning, and perseverance. If you are loving what you're hearing, as we know you will, make sure you visit resitalkpodcast.com and sign up for more information. Friends, welcome to Resi Talk. I'm your host, Cassandra Gallego, and I am sharing the podcast stage with my fabulous co-hosts, Pam Victorias and Laura Gilmore. Today we have Greg Hay joining us. Greg has been with Goldwell Banker since 2012. He's been in real estate since 97, starting in new home sales. He was a realtor for six years, then took on the role as branch manager, where he quickly rose to fame as one of the nation's strongest managers in recruiting. Today, Greg is the regional VP of the East Central Florida region, where he oversees 14 offices and 1,800 agents. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Thank you, Cassie, for having me. And thank you, Laura and Pam. I'm excited to be here, and uh, I look forward to our little uh, chat today. We're excited to have you. Welcome. Welcome. So we always start with uh, something we like to call this or that. It's just a quick rapid fire round. Give us your, you know, just your responses that would come naturally to you. So are you a phone call or a text? I am a text. Ooh. Do you work late or do you get to work early? And you know what? I actually know the answer to this question. I get to work early and I work late. Yes, that's true. Yes, he is both. I got to tell you. When I used to work in Orlando, Greg and I would have a, a fight to see who got to the office first to open it at like 7.30 in the morning. So I, I know he's going to get to work early for sure. Are you a Mac or a PC? Mac. Really? Ooh, that's our second nerd yeah. one now. point for team Mac. <laughs> Speed or accuracy? Accuracy. Ooh, going against the grain. Out, outlier. <laughs> why do you why do you think accuracy is more important than speed? You're one of the only ones that have said that. You know, I, I think you know, we're in real estate, we're dealing with people's lives, uh, we're dealing with agents, we're dealing with agents' money, commissions. And, and I think sometimes, you know, it's better to be accurate than, you know, maybe do something incorrectly for a customer or maybe, you know, mess up on a commission to an agent. So I think if you take that extra moment and, and sometimes it's not about taking an extra day or two, it's, you know, just maybe a couple extra minutes on something and it, and it gets done accurately. So accuracy that. is my, is my final answer. <laughs> I love that. And uh, I see this a lot on Facebook, but I'll ask it anyway. Are you a vacation or a staycation? You know what? I like staycations as much as I like vacations, and I like them both. There you so go. So I enjoy hanging around town, staying home or local stuff, but I also enjoy, you know, going somewhere far away. Anytime where it's fun, right? Yes. So are you audiobook or traditional book or just no book? Audiobook. Audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. I've been known to read a couple book books, but, but I'm very big these days on, on more of an audiobook. Right. Well, you travel all over the Florida, so central, you have, you have a big region, so you probably listen to it when you're driving. Although I know I you, you're probably recruiting when you're driving. Uh, you, you never know. So, okay, let me ask you uh, about books, because we have a book club starting. Uh, we actually are in the middle of our first book club, and we have our first meeting October 12th. So 
Uh, what is your favorite book, uh, you know, industry related? So I probably have two. Uh, the first one is Success in Five Minutes okay. by Karen Briscoe. Okay. Um, and it just kind of teaches you how to get into action, but how to get into action quickly, immediately. Mm. Basically, you don't just kind of ponder around and wonder what to do. You immediately take action. Mm -hmm. And then my second favorite book, uh, or maybe in no order, would be The Miracle Morning, uh, Rise and Shine. And it just kind of transforms you. It's just, you know, how to be happier, healthier, successful, less stress. It just, it's kind of a mind transforming type of book. So those are my well, two faves. That is the book we're reading this quarter. Wow. October there 12th. You go. Yes, Irma Shearer. So join us for that one. Absolutely. So that's great. Thank well, you. I, I'm going to so have much. to put Greg on the spot here real quick because Irma is going to be having a baby, hopefully. <laughs> after her appearance yes. on Laura's book club. However, if history repeats itself, we might need Greg to help us out. So make sure you save that date. Maybe you need to be our understudy. <laughs> I'm in. Put me on speed dial. Co-host. <laughs> you can get me early morning or late evening, as we said before. So yes, we know when to find you. Run, don't walk. That being said, Irma, please wait to have that baby. <laughs> That's right. No rush. No rush at all. Well, welcome, Greg. Thank you so much for allowing our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. And thank you, Pam and Laura, for helping us with that. So let's jump right on in. I remember very vividly the first time I met you, I think you were already in your on your path as a manager. Uh, I, you were sitting with my mom, Lois Rawson, and some other powerhouse managers we happened to be in Orlando for a conference. I was late to, actually, I wasn't late. I crashed your dinner. <laughs> and all I kept hearing was Greg, 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 the best recruiter of all time. So <laughs> kudos to you. But tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get here? How did you get to become the, the regional of the East Central region? So I, I guess it started back right when I graduated college. I, I grew up in Long Island. Went to school up in uh, upstate New York, Binghamton University, majored in political science. And right after college, I, I took a part-time job in, in the real estate business, working for new home developments and stuff down in Boynton Beach. And I just, there was something about it. I, I just enjoyed dealing with the, the people and dealing with other agents. And it, it was something fun. Like I always had fun going to work every day. And I decided that I like that to be my career versus, you know, poli sci or maybe becoming an attorney or something like that. And I just had a lot of fun with that. So got my real estate license and that was back in 97 and then just continued on new home sales, had a lot of fun with it, worked with active adults, just really enjoyed it. And then in 2012, moved up to the Orlando area, interviewed with a whole bunch of different companies. You know, I decided to choose Robin Musica's office over in Lake Mary with Coldwell Banker. I enjoyed everything she had to offer, the tools, the technology. I'm a techie person, uh, for those of you that know me, and I just really enjoyed that. You know, I, I just started selling homes, did a lot of Fannie Mae business, but just had fun every day when I went to work. It, it, you know, coming from the new home sales side, this wasn't just like a part-time gig for me. This was like a full-time job. Like I got up every morning and I went to the office. And I didn't come home till you know, at least five o'clock, you know, it, it was like I was clocking in and clocking out, but, but like I treated it as a full-time job. And I did that for about six years or so and, and, you know, made a lot of sales and, and learned a lot. And then uh, was approached, you know, would I, would I like to go into branch management? And I said, I would, um, I said, I think that would be a, a neat next step for me. 
and um, you know, where I could help other people kind of mimic or do what I was doing. And uh, I went into branch management. So that's kind of how it all, all begun. That's awesome. So you were in branch management and now you are the regional vice president for your region. And so I'm super impressed with how your determination to be great got you from agent in 2012 to regional in, what is it, 2021. Uh, and, and it's not like you've just started this regional position. You've, you've been doing it and doing it well for, what, a year now, two years now? Yes, a little over a year nice. and a half. Was this always the, the goal for you? Was this trajectory always what you had in mind? And if so, how did you go about setting those goals and what actions did you take to make it happen? Um, so I would say back in 2012, when I started as an agent, I don't necessarily know I had this goal to, you know, I, maybe I really didn't understand how the company was organized or what positions were there. But I think as the years, you know, went on and, and I learned the different roles within the company, I said, you know, this would be something very much up my alley, taking what I've learned over the years in real estate and, you know, helping other agents. And then once I kind of got that under my belt and I said, wow, you can change so many people's lives and really help them. And you can take somebody that's never been in the real estate industry before. And if they come to us and they put in the time and the effort and they kind of let you lead them down the, down, down the road, um, you can teach them so much and they can become very successful in a short period of time as long as they listen and, and they let you guide them. I said, I, I could do this with other managers as well. And I, and I could share stuff that I learned along the road and let's still learn every day. I mean, we, we all learn every day, but I can share a lot of this now. And instead of helping a hundred or 200 or 300 agents, now I can help the region. And let's face it, if you're selling homes or listing homes or working with buyers, you know, it doesn't matter if it's an $80,000 condo, if it's a $10 million house, a lot of the same procedures happen on each particular sale, whether it's prospecting, whether it's motivation, whether it's follow-up, whether it's lead generation, it's the same thing. So I said, wow, now I can take what I've learned and, and really bring it to the region versus, you know, one, one particular office. That's great. That's a good answer. So I know we always say this is a people business and it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. uh, so we know that your, your region loves you. Like you are just killing it. Uh, I don't know what your exact stats are, but I know you're one of the top regions in the country for listing concierge, for waterfall, for everything. So how have you created this culture that everybody is happy and managers are wanting to work with you? How did you do that? Is there something intentional or is it just that you're just charming? Um, you know, I'd like to think I'm charming, but at the end of the day, um, I, I think it's, it's, again, it goes back to having fun at what you do. Like um, I'm out in the offices uh, I'm amongst the agents. I've I've done what the agents do so I can relate to them. I've done what the managers do so I can relate to the managers. I've been in their chairs. Right. But but more importantly, I think we turn any initiative, no, no matter what we're looking to accomplish as a company, I turn that into something fun. So yeah, we have a goal that we want to get, you know, let's say listing concierge, you know, to a 40% usage. But how do we equate that and break it down so the agents see the value in it? Or how does it help the agents put more money in their pocket? Or how does it help the manager help grow their office, which means they're growing their agent's production, which means it's more money in the agent's pocket. So you have to kind of break down what we're doing and, and show how it, it's, you know, advantageous to the manager and the agent, number one, to want to do it. 
and then show how is it going to impact their business in a positive way. And then probably most importantly, you got to have fun at doing it. So you can't just be the, the one that, you know, waves the big stick around and, and says, you got to do it. You got to have fun at doing it. So I think that I, I kind of make people want to do it versus feel that they have to do it. And I think that's what leads to the camaraderie and, and the success we see in the region. What, like when somebody has a big win, whether it's an agent has a beautiful listing or they had a closing or their their top production or, or they're the top sales agent that month, we we recognize them. We we share their their success with the world, whether it be on Facebook or social media. And I think that's what everybody likes. They, they, this is a fun, positive business. I mean, let's face it. We're not doing open heart surgery. We're not like saving anybody's lives. So like we can't go into work every day, like stressed out. Like this is something fun that we do every day. And I thought it was always the free bagels at the meeting. <laughs> that, that too, you know, that, that attracts the attendance, but there's so much more. <laughs> well, Greg, I, I thought it was very interesting how what you did as an agent so beautifully applies to what you do as a manager, because sometimes we have to have conversations with our sellers that aren't necessarily so pleasant. We need to stage the home or we need to have someone come in here and clean up, but you tie it to the end goal, which is their money in their pocket. The agents see what the benefit is to using the tools, to using the, the programs that we provide them with. And they use them because you tie it to the end goal, not just because it's good for Greg or it's good for the manager, it's good for the office, but it's ultimately good for them. Greg, we've talked a lot about the successes that you have had. What do you think would be the biggest challenge today that you see our agents are facing? I think keeping the agents positive, meaning, you know, if there's not a home for sale or they can't find a buyer, a particular house, don't give up. There, there's people who will always buy and sell homes regardless of, I don't care if it's interest rate, pandemic, you know, I mean, if that didn't stop everything from happening, I don't know what would. Um, but I think the biggest challenge is keeping them motivated making them understand that just because maybe they can't find a home today or tomorrow doesn't mean that on Friday that perfect home is going to pop up. Or if they can't find a listing to list today or tomorrow, don't give up. Don't stop making your prospecting calls. Don't stop talking to your neighbors and family and friends. Don't not go to the office. Like don't take a week off just because there's no business. Like get into the office, stir up your own business, like stir something up. So, so I think I think the biggest challenge is just trying to keep everybody's head in the game, keep them motivated, and, and just make them understand that there is inventory out there. We got to go look for it. We got to be creative. Maybe it's not going to fall in your lap or come out of the sky today like maybe it has in the past. But if you if you stir it up enough and if you go out and do the right things, which, by the way, you know, a little plug for education, <laughs> like if you listen to what our education ladies are teaching you how to do and actually do it. You'll, there are listings out there and there are buyers and sellers and, and you can make a phenomenal living right now. So uh, really the biggest challenge is just keeping everybody's head in the game. And even when it slows down or dips a little bit, you, you just keep going at it. Thanks, Greg. So another question we have, when we teach AMP, one of my favorite uh, parts of our modules, we ask our agents, we say, so in your life, uh, what attribute do you think contributed to your successes? They can be anything. Was it school? Was it family? What attribute did you bring that contributed to your success, do you think, Greg? I, I think it's going to be family. I think maybe the way I was brought up or the, the way that I my parents raised me. Um, you know, we, we always believed in like nothing just comes your way or nothing just drops in your lap. 
and that, you know, no matter what you want to do, you can do anything you want to do, but you got to work at it. Meaning, you know, when you see somebody making six figures or seven figures, no matter what they're doing, it just didn't fall in their lap. Basically, they, they, they go out there and they actually perform and they get better and better. And one thing that always resonated with me when I got to Southwest Orlando was we have a top performing team there. And if you look at that team, their business is probably 90 plus percent referral business. They've been doing it for years. But do you know they're on the phone every day prospecting? They're sending out their postcards and envelopes and, and holiday calendars and handwritten thank you notes and all the things that we've learned how to do over the years. And they do that every day. So I once went to them and said, if all your business is coming from referrals, why do you keep doing this? And they said, because that's the business we're in. We're never happy with, you know, if we, if we did six figures this year, we want to we wanna be in the upper six figures next year. So, so I really think it's the way you're raised and it's the way you're mm-hmm. taught that don't just sit back and wait for something to fall in your lap. Go get it. And if you practice that every day, the, the, the sky's the limit, basically. I, I mean, you can accomplish anything you want. Mm-hmm. I, that's exactly right. I totally agree. You have to actually do the work. You have to get up every day and say, it's not going to come to me. It's not going to, I'm not going to bump into somebody in the grocery store, although I might, uh, but I want to, I got to go get my business. I have to go make my career. So I think your stick-to-itiveness has absolutely launched you and continues to do so. So the other question we ask these agents are, and I will ask you, so of the successes that didn't happen, (laughs) I don't like to call them failures, but near misses, was there something that you say, you know what, when I looked back, it was this attribute maybe that held me back. So is there anything that you think in your career that uh, you could change or you, you would uh, do differently? That What held you back? I, I think just planning. I, I think sometimes we all have that tendency and this kind of goes back to one of the first questions that I was asked, uh, speed or accuracy. And I think, you know, maybe looking back at, at a failure or maybe a not so positive experience, maybe trying to do something too quick versus being a little more articulate or accurate about it. And I think that's what's really pushed me now to the let's be accurate about it versus, you know, just hurrying up and doing something. Um, You know, would you rather hurry up and write a contract that's going to fall apart? Or would you actually like to do the proper steps and actually sell the house properly and and go through all the different steps, whether it be pre-qualifications with the buyer and all that stuff and watch it go to closing, which puts money in your pocket? Or would you rather just kind of slam somebody into a contract and then find out that they're not pre-qualified. Right. And at the end of the day, you don't make any money. So you just wasted your time. <laughs> so I think that's a good analogy to kind of, yeah. you know. Systems, mm-hmm. I love that. So as someone who's been an agent and a manager and now in, in the current role, you've seen it all almost very recently, um, very quickly. And so now you have this brand new agent in front of you. They've got the best work ethic ever. They have no fear. They're ready to work. They don't know what their first step should be. What is the first thing that that agent should do? Organize. (laughs) Um, I I think the first step is you got to organize yourself. You got to set yourself up properly. And what I mean by that is, you know, whether you got to join the MLS or get your lock boxes or order some yard signs or, you know, prepare listing packages or how about read a contract, like understand what a contract is. <laughs> so when you get that first time buyer or you go on a listing appointment and they're like, okay, I'll list. And you're like, oh my God, what do I do now? Like, like prepare yourself, spend some time up front and, and get all your ducks in a row, basically. Um, it's amazing how many newer agents that we see that, like you said, 
they're they're very well educated they're very motivated they they come to the office they go to training but they don't take the time up front to kind of go through all the different whether it be documents or technology and they don't kind of learn some of the behind the scenes stuff that's going to help them you know move forward so i think the first step is you got to like take a step back organize yourself prepare a little bit um, and and then start to to get into the business Okay, so let's talk about mentors. Let's talk about role models. Do you have one right now, or did you have one uh, that you've said, this is who I want to be when I grow up? Um, you know, I think I'm going to say my grandfather probably was my biggest mentor growing up. He always just had that positive can-do attitude um, and, and basically always kind of drilled into me, like, if you want to be president of the United States, then, then work towards being president of the United States. And I know that's like a far-fetched, you know, idea, but like he always had the... He always had that positive talk track about you can be anything you want. Just learn the steps in order to how to get there or what information you need to get there. I just always remember no matter what happened, if you had a bad day at school, it was like, well, tomorrow's a new day. Or, you know, let's let's trace back and figure out why it was bad. Or if you didn't understand math that day, it was like, okay, did you not understand it because you weren't paying attention in class? Was the teacher not good that day? Did you forget your homework? Like what, like what was the deal? So he always had that, you know, notion of you can set out to do anything you want to do. Just make sure you follow the same path. Like, in other words, you're, you're not going to go to work at Walmart for six years and then on the six year and third day become a pilot for American Airlines. Like, like, in other words, you didn't train to be a pilot. So don't expect that to be your next career. Now, maybe you take off for six months or a year after Walmart, learn how to become a pilot, and then you can become a pilot. But, but don't think that you're gonna naturally just become a pilot. You didn't learn any of those skills. Right. Greg, you talked a lot about, and I've heard it now in a few of your answers, being structured, having a system in place, following a path. When I was teaching in Orlando, I mentioned this earlier, we used to have the race to see who would get to the <laughs> office first at 7.30 in the morning to open it up. I was really uh, impressed by your dedication to that morning routine. So I want you to just tell us or walk us through what is your powerful morning routine and what do you feel works best to get you to success? Okay, so I, I, I'm a routine person. I, I like having a routine. I like having a schedule. It's not to say that, you know, once in a while we don't fly off the schedule, but I like having that schedule and, and I like it for a couple of reasons. Number one, it doesn't matter if you're an agent, a manager, an RVP. Like you gotta have a schedule. I, I don't care if you work at Walmart, you, you, you're a pilot. Everybody has a schedule in their daily lives or successful people have schedules in their daily life. But to me, if you're gonna start out the day not having a plan, then you're never gonna know what you want to or are trying to accomplish by the end of that day. So you gotta have a plan in place because we all know that even when you have a plan in place, Sometimes the, the day takes a right turn somewhere and, and the rest of the day goes, you know, hog wild on you, which happens. And that's just the business we're in. I get that. But I, I always like getting up in the morning and I always had a plan. Like the, the day before I kind of was formulating in my mind at night or whatever, you know, what, what do I want to accomplish the next morning? And then, you know, you wake up in the morning and you, you may have some emails from the night before, you know, sit down, have some coffee, unwind, but, but I'm formulating like, okay, what is my day going to look like when I get to the office? And the other thing is when you have a plan, 
you don't like run into the fire like as it's burning. Like I like to get to the office early enough where, you know, I was usually the first one in there or the second one in there. You can unwind. And for everyone, that's different. Like to me, it was, you know, grab a cup of coffee, go through my emails. Maybe I had a report or something that had to be done, but I wanted to get my stuff done before a lot of agents came in for the day. And, and I wanted to do that for one basic reason, because once the agents came in, I wanted to be able to devote my time to the agents. Like that's what they're there for. They're, when an agent comes to the office, they may be looking towards the manager to help them with something, uh, maybe a challenge or training or coaching or mentoring. And, and I just like that feeling of knowing that I got in early, I got my stuff done. And then the rest of the day I could devote, whether it was, you know, maybe now like to another manager or to an agent. And I didn't have to worry about my own stuff or, you know, that's how you forget to do stuff. Right. That's how you back up, so to speak. Um, and I just think organization helps. So I, I got to ask this follow-up question because this is something that I have been working on. This has been the year of getting my life together. <laughs> I, uh, I would say I am not a morning person. I would lose that race if I raced you and Pam to the office in the morning every time. But I promise you, I'm probably up later <laughs> than anyone on this call. I'm a night owl. I think we've talked about it in the past. I've got a... 20 month old son and when he goes down in my mind i'm thinking freedom and now i get to get things done i've been really working hard on getting up early and having that that game plan but we all know that and you, you alluded to it things don't always go according to plan in this business in our roles as educators as regionals as agents and so having a plan how do you make changes? How do you adapt when things don't go according to that plan that you set for yourself? Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing is you stop for a moment. You like take a step back. You don't try to just like keep going because that's when I think it's like, that's when I think you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. If the, if the plan takes a right turn and you just keep going at it, you, you may lose sight. You may lose vision of what, what you're actually trying to do. So you just take a step back and maybe that's for 20 seconds or 20 minutes, you never know, and just kind of reassess everything and, and just kind of reprioritize stuff. Because sometimes we think something's a burning fire <laughs> when in essence it can wait, right. or sometimes it can't wait and you got to deal with it. So I think really by just taking a step back, reassessing, and then you get back onto the plan. And sometimes it means adding that emergency into the plan. And sometimes it means scheduling that emergency that turns out not to be an emergency for either later in the day or the next day. But, but I think just stepping back and taking a moment to think about it. And I, and I think that will, will, you know, calm everything down. That's so helpful because our agents will run into buyers as we so aptly call them in their transactions. Right. And, and I actually had to take a shift in my mindset and I don't know if you've met my mom, but my mom's very tough love, Terry, shout out. The, the, she's the unofficial member of this podcast. We've mentioned her probably in every episode, but I, I get really emotionally invested with my agents or when I was working transactions with my transactions. And she would tell me, Cassandra, you know, it's your job to be level-headed and you're the problem solver. Don't make it worse than it is. And so my mind shift was solutions, not problems. We get to really show our customer, our buyers and our sellers, why they need us in those challenges. So you almost have to embrace them and say, this 
is an opportunity for me to demonstrate my value. And even for our managers, anytime there's an issue that they can help their agent through, it's an opportunity to demonstrate their value. I think, I think Cassie, that's the, that's the difference between an agent that takes control of the transaction or an agent that allows the buyer or seller to take control of the action. You know, to a buyer or seller, this is probably one of the biggest transactions they'll ever do in their life. It could be the most stressful transaction that they ever do in their life, but it's up to us as the professional to kind of keep them on track and to kind of teach the customer what's really a five alarm fire <laughs> versus what's just a quick little hiccup that we need to, to rectify before it goes to closing, so to speak. And it's up to us as the agents and us as a company and managers, and it's up to all of us to help guide the customer. At the end of the day, we're the professionals. We have to assume that our buyer and seller, you know, they're they're not professional real estate agents. So why would they know the process? Yeah, I also right. I also think that plays a role uh, in everyday life. You know, agents hear objections. We hear objections in every every transaction, every relationship, uh, in and out of real estate. And so I like your pause because uh, this is something I teach in our owning objections class. Ooh, that was a shameless plug. But I always say. Listen, I, when you hear something, an objection or something that's throwing you in a different direction, pause, make sure that person Absolutely. feels heard, but also make sure you're understanding. I completely agree with that, Greg. We have to pause and think, how do I need to redirect? Laura, speed or accuracy? See, it all keeps going right back see, to that. See, I'm a little bit of uh, speed. I'm a little speed. But. <laughs> I'm a lot speed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so accuracy, but sometimes to a fault where I need to pick up the speed. <laughs> but um, I'm with Laura on that. You know, when we do teach owning objections, part of what we tell them is, yeah, take that breath. But sometimes we are so passionate about what we do that we go straight to reaction mode. And, and that never ends well for anybody, right? When you just react, when you just respond to that objection or, or to that offer that was just not where it should have been, you know, it's not going to end well for anybody, not for you, not for the customer. So taking that, that breath, taking that moment and then allowing them to feel heard before you go straight to, to handling that objection goes a super long way. You know, we've talked about education and part of our department, we do coach, we do help our agents. Have you ever had a coach? Have you ever had a mentor within the company or without? I did. Um, so it's going to go back to, again, when I started in 2012 in Lake Mary Longwood office, uh, my branch manager, Robin Musica, um, she had offered mentoring and coaching and one-on-one. -on -one, uh, and I immediately signed up for that. I was like, whoa, like that's, I don't have to pay for that. Like that's part of what Cobalt Banker does. And, and again, back in the day when, you know, my partner and I, we were selling two, 300 Fannie Mae homes per year. Um, I still said, how do I sell more? How do I sharpen my sales skills? Like, you know, so yes, I, I met with Robin. I think it started out once a week or once every two weeks. And we would meet and we would chit chat about wins and losses and, you know, what I was struggling with and what she could help me with. Um, and, and I really will never forget that because that's one of the things, plug for Cobalt Banker, we're known for. I mean, that's what we provide our agents. That's what's going to get you to the next level. And then when I became a branch manager, I said, you know what? I want to coach our agents and I want to see them succeed. And, you know, it wasn't only new agents. And again, I'll refer back to a different team at Southwest Orlando, but they were a good team. I mean, they were doing probably 50, 60 million a year. And I'll never forget when, when the team lead came in and said, 
hey, I want to meet with you every month and I want to look at my business plan and I want to see where we're at and I want to see if I'm trending up or down or if I'm lacking in a certain area. And, and we did that for over a year. And you know what? I, I loved it. And to me, that was mentoring and coaching. And it doesn't matter what volume you're doing, you want to get mentored and coached. And now as an RVP, I do it with some of our managers because again, some of our managers want to grow their office or they say, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think about it? Or I've tried this and it didn't work. And believe it or not, I've, I've tried to create that camaraderie amongst all our managers that not that they're coaching each other, but in a funny way, they are coaching each other because I want that communication. If one of our managers has a really big win, they do something that just, you know, is, is phenomenal for the agents and we see great success, they share it with the other managers. So I, I don't care what, what industry you're in or what position you're in or whatever you're doing in life. If there's a coach or a mentor that's willing to help you grow, sometimes it's not even growing in, in, in your business or industry. It's growing personally. Absolutely. It's growing as an individual. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it's great. So yes, the answer to that is yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> I love that. And, and I got to I got to mention, we've heard it now from Greg, who, it, you know, was one of our top recruiters. We've heard it from Danny Hertzberg as well. How important it is to just share those scenarios, to, to just bounce those situations off of whether it be a mentor, an accountability person, a manager, a coach, where you can throw out those scenarios and say, how could I have handled this differently? Or what would you have said? Because there is no better teacher than those experiences and the things that you can learn from other people by sharing those experiences with them. So love it. I love it. So Greg, you post a lot. I see a lot of posts on Facebook about your wife. I see your cute dog. Uh, how do you handle your work, personal life? How do you keep it all balanced? So I have to be very careful. I have to make sure there's more posts about my wife than there are about the dog. That's number one. <laughs> <laughs> I will get myself in big trouble. Um, no, you, you know, all kidding aside, I think it's, I, I think it's, it's very important that agents and managers see us in our everyday lives as well, because we're we're all in this together. We're all human beings. We're all we all have the same common goal. You know, we all have families, whether it's husbands or wives or kids or pets, and everybody has you know their family in their own way. And, and I think it's important that, you know, we have to get the message out there that, you know, family time is equally as important to work. Uh, what is that balance is, is going to be very different for everyone. Um, but I definitely think it has to, there has to be some sort of balance. You will not be successful in your career if you don't figure out what that balance is for you as an individual. So it's different for everyone. Right. But, you know, I enjoy posting about my family, whether it's my wife, my daughter, my, my dog, Jake. Um, you know, I just think it's, it's fun. It, it connects you to different people. Like there are people, there are agents that have responded to my Facebook posts about a picture that I post of Jake, let's say with a bow tie for July 4th, <laughs> that maybe I never would have had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with that agent, um, for whatever reason. But now all of a sudden we, we introduce each other on Facebook and now it's like, Hey, let me know next time you're in town. I'd love to come to the office and meet you and stuff. So I think it's a great way to engage whether it be managers or agents with social media. And I think by doing that with your family, people can relate to you in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, we've made good 
fun relationships. My wife now knows Laura and, and you know, we've, we've gone out before and different things. They always laugh, you know, happy wife, happy life. But we travel a lot in this business. We're out a lot in this business. We come home late in this business. We leave early. Certain times my wife can join me on an event or, or, or go to an office when they're having a grand opening or a picnic on a Saturday for the agents and stuff. And I think it's just it's really nice to, to get your family involved, so to speak, as much as possible, because let's face it, at the end of the day, that's where I come home to every night. My wife knows when, when there's a success or we have an agent that did something rah-rah or, or a manager did something outstanding, my, my wife can associate a name with the face right. and, and it's just so nice. So I, so I think it's, it's really important. It helps you get the work-life balance. It helps you connect on social media. And I think it's just, a, it's, a, it's a good way to show everybody that like, we're all human beings, like we're all the same. At the end of the day, yes, I may oversee the region and I, and I may make that final decision per se, but at the end of the day, we're all in this together. We're one big team and we all have that same end result in mind. So I think it's important that they see us as individual people and whatnot. It's great to see that you're successful in life, love and business. So that's- uh, Aww. I have a Jake too. <laughs> that's why I said, oh. And I gotta yeah. tell you, I gotta, I probably gotta work on posting more pictures of my husband and maybe even my dog, because literally my entire social media is my Jake, my my little 20-month-old little mm -hmm. bundle of joy most of the time. This is awesome, guys. Thank you. I can't believe we ran out of time so quickly. Greg, you were absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for your candid answers to all of our questions and for unfiltered conversations with Rezzy. That's it. That's right. I love this. When I heard you guys were going to introduce the podcast for everyone to listen to, I, I was super excited. Um, I don't know that I really thought it would be what we've heard and seen. And I think it just blew my expectations away. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I actually look forward each Tuesday to the new podcast dropping. Um, and I'm always like, okay, when is it going to drop? When is it going to drop? So I, hats off to you, to you ladies. I think this was a, a great way again, to connect the, the Coldwell Banker world and the family and just kind of bring them into the mix and, and get everybody to start to know each other. Cause let's face it, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of agents and employees and how do you get to know everybody? But I think this is a phenomenal way. So I love it. Uh and when it drops next Tuesday and you uh, your episode gets dropped, Greg, I want you to like it, share it, post it, and get it out there because those reviews will help us grow to be even bigger. I'm going to sit my dog down and he'll be the first one to listen to it with me. Your dog better listen. Your dog, your yep. wife, and have your dog and your wife leave a review also on Apple Podcasts. They will do it. You and I think it. you should tell every manager they have to post it on their office page as well. Any, any other instructions for Greg before? <laughs> the to-do list for Greg. We're, we're, we're going to make you very busy in, in promoting our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Thank Thanks. you. I enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Greg. Next week, we're excited to feature our president of Hogwell Banker Realty, Mr. Duff Rubin, who oversees 80 offices and over 7,500 agents in our great state of Florida. He'll be sharing how his commercial real estate successes and his mentors, or as he refers to them, his village, have propelled his career. Don't forget to listen, subscribe, and review wherever podcasts are found. And share this episode with a friend. Join us next week for another unfiltered conversation about real estate. This is Pam, Cassie, and Laura on Resi Talk, reminding you to leave your mark. <laughs>